This is an ASCII Live media production for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles official podcast channel. This is the Golden Eagles podcast, hosted by Manly media manager Wayne Cousins, along with Sea Eagles Premiership winner and chairman of the Golden Eagles Association, Mark Bryant. Each week, Cuzzo and Boxy will be joined by a different Sea Eagles legend to relive some great moments from our proud history and to find out what each of the guys are up to now. The Golden Eagles podcast is proudly presented by Wormald, a classic sponsor of the mighty Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Now over to Cuzzo and Boxy with this week's special guest. And joining us today is much loved 2011 Manly Premiership winning player, Jamie Bure. Welcome, Jamie. Hey, Cuzzo. Good to see you. Uh, thank you, Boxy. How are you, mate? Really well, thank you, mate. Really well. Well, Boxy, when I say much loved, he was much loved, wasn't he? A man who played 128 matches for the Manly Seagulls from 2010 to 16, 18 tries, and of course, the 2011 Premiership winning player for the Seagulls. He then went up to uh, Newcastle, 45 games, overall 173 NRL games. Jamie, first of all, congratulations on a great career. Thank you. So, mate, thanks for joining us on the uh, on this uh, show today. Now, uh, let's go back to the beginning. Hills District Bulls. What's your first memory of the Hills District Bulls? Uh, it was a club. It was my dad's junior club, actually. And then before him, his dad, so my pop, actually played a bit of footy there. Um, I've still got some really good friends from there. So my memories are all good ones. Um, you know, playing, uh, I suppose, just really enjoying the mateship aspect of it. Um, and when I first uh, signed up for the Bulls, I think I was 14. So... It was uh, it was all about having some fun. It wasn't about necessarily um, you know going on to to play first grade. So yeah, their memories are just really good ones of, of of having a good crack with my mates and and forming friendships that I still hold dear today. So four, fourteen, did you say? Is that a bit of a late bloomer out uh, there? No, the thing was <laughs> here uh, we go. Here we I, go. I started playing. Uh, I played for the Riverston Razorbacks when I was five. And then I went to about four different clubs before I got to Hills Bulls. Where it, uh, so I went to Kellerville Bush Rangers, uh, Lola Park uh, Cookers, and uh, I played one year for St Pat's, and then onto the Bulls for uh, under thirteens, fourteens, and that's where I was for the next four years until I went to twenty. So I bounced around a little bit. <laughs> I, I was know. going to say more clubs than Paris Hilton, but that's good. You're only 14, so we won't bring that up. But, um, but well, Heathler Strange. Strangey used to play out at the Hills Bulls too. Didn't? There's a couple of ex-Manly guys from uh, – or Wolfie. Seagulls guys. Wolfie. Wolfie was out there as well. Well, that would um, that would have been interesting, him as a uh, as a young boy. But um, I think he's coming on uh, at some stage to a podcast as well, which is good. So Hills Bulls definitely well represented, you know, or good representation for the Seagulls, that's for sure. So from the Hills Bulls, you joined the Manly Seagulls. 2008, uh, the Manly, back then, the NYC team, well, the under-20s. What was your first memories when you pulled on that Manly Seagulls jersey for the first time and you're representing under-20s? It was it was a dream. Uh, obviously, I've been a Parramatta Junior Manly fan growing up. I got the opportunity to go to Manly, you know, jumped at it. Um, you know, I would have almost paid them to give me a shot, so... Uh, first memories was kind of a first full preseason in 20s that uh, mirrored much the kind of a first grade, nowhere near as hard, but at the time it was it was a real step up. So I remember the preseason, uh, 
just meeting new people for the first time. Obviously, I was just eager to to do my best uh, and play some good football for Manly. But uh, yeah, running out round one, uh, Manly jersey on. I think I was nine. I was the hooker uh, heading into that one. So yeah, it was pretty cool. We played at Brookvale Oval actually the first round. I think it was against the Sharks, and uh, we we had a good win. So yeah, the memories are good ones. Pretty awesome the way that under-20s comp when it came in, actually, because, you know, it used to be that you'd have your flag, um, your reserve grade, then your first grade. But when that came in, it just sort of thrust younger guys straight into that real game day feel um, and, you know, really, I suppose, you know, brought home that, you, you know, you're playing before the first grade team here, which is which is just awesome. And it was a really good competition, um, that comp. So, yeah. Yeah, it was certainly enjoyable. Uh, I took a lot of, um, you know, lessons out of it. Um, I couldn't have... Probably gone on to the next step without a bit of reserve grade, though, but it certainly was a good stepping stone. Who did you play with in that team that went on to first grade with you? In my 20s career, played with uh, Daly Cherry Evans, Kieran Foran, Darcy Lussick, uh, Will Hopawati, Michael Oldfield, uh, Lama Tarsi played some first grade. I'm probably going to, oh, Jared Weir Hargraves, Kenny Edwards. Um, I'm probably going to miss someone. Not a bad side. Yeah, we had a really, really good squad and uh, really good bunch of fellas. And obviously, a lot of those have gone on to, to play footy for Manly. Uh, many of those I got to play with and, and others have forged really good careers elsewhere. So, now we we uh, we had some talent in that squad. Yeah, two years in the NYC, 2008-2009, 15 tries for the Seagulls. And you get named uh, lock of the uh, year in the uh, NYC team of the year in 2009. That must have been just a great honour as well. Yeah, it certainly was. It, it was kind of, it was bittersweet in a way. It was great to be picked in that team, but we had such a fantastic year that year. I think uh, Daly and, and Kieran and Jared were also in that squad from memory. And we had a team that should have won the comp. Um, I think we got minor premiers and our foreign against was like plus 500, something ridiculous. And then a few of our best played some first grade in the finals. Um and we didn't deal with losing those. I think Jared and, and Foz both played in in uh, potentially a semi against Melbourne in first grade, which well, I was absolutely stoked for him, but it hurt us. And uh, and we got bundled out real quick. Um, but to answer your question, I certainly was. There was, you know, I was in some really good company within that team uh, and stoked to make it. Obviously, it kind of gave me a fair bit of confidence leading into hopefully playing first grade in the near future from there. So in 2010, you graduate to the uh, Sea Eagles Queensland Cup team with the Sunshine Coast Sea Eagles. Tell us about going from Sydney, Sunshine Coast, how did it all work? Um, who was your coach? Who were some of your teammates? It sounds difficult, uh, <laughs> but it was bloody awesome. Like, I, I loved it. Uh, we, had, we had such a good crew. Like, many of the blokes we just named from 20s, you know, uh, were in that, um, that had gone on to play first grade, obviously, um, Chaz and... And Das, you know, many others that I formed really good friendships with um, that didn't go on to play first show, but we used to just train during the week, um, just as any normal week. And then uh, as we'd roll into the first grade, we'd roll into, you know, captain's run, we'd fly up uh, to Sunny Coast, we'd land, go straight to training, and we'd do a captain's run basically for the Sunshine Coast. The first time we did it, it's like you're meeting your new teammates for the first time. Uh, Brendan Coston was the coach, uh, he played some first grade for the Raiders. Uh, Costo and uh, yeah it was really really weird I suppose not weird but it was just really unique in that you kind of just you do all the training with the first grade boys and then you kind of just transplant into this squad that's already been training and you've got to quickly form friendships and you know, obviously you know um, get up to speed with one another but um, 
made it work and bloody loved it. Like we had such a good, good time. part of the world up there too. The sunny coast, isn't it? You know, different, different pace than, you know, than what you're used to here in Sydney. And I suppose it's the beauty of rugby league plays, especially as you get to that level is that you can slot yourself in, you know, to those systems. And most folks that have come through have actually had to do that at some stage, you know, been pulled out of one team straight into another and that sort of thing. So yeah, it sounded like every, all reports that I've heard about that, um, the trips up the sunny coast were, were, were pretty, uh, were pretty good. Yeah. But having a good social life too, you I imagine, uh, after, look, after a win. You do. Uh, look, obviously, we're going up there uh, to play well. You know, we wanted to play first grade and progress in that respect. But, geez, we had some fun too. It, uh, there was plenty of fun to be had. And it was good because you kind of – you went up there, you uh, you know, you did captain's run, you ripped in on the field, you got stuck into a few beers and then you got on the plane and you got out of there. And then you started your pre- you started your training week again. If you weren't picked for first grade, same thing. It was rinse and repeat. And uh, we actually had a good year, played some good footy, so good memories. Well, your footy certainly paid off because uh, come round 10 in 2010, you make your NRL debut against Parramatta. So you're Parramatta junior, you've grown up following the Mighty Seagulls, and you make your NRL debut for the Seagulls. Tell us about that moment, who's in the crowd, family, the night before, Preparations, everything that goes through a, a mind of a young player about to make his NRL debut. It, um, my debut story is like a, yeah, there's not many like it. I actually was picked to debut, I think it might have been round three that year. Um, and I was named in the 18, 18 man squad, traveled down to Melbourne, was told that I would be, was playing first grade, got picked in the 17, flew mum and dad down, and then Desi didn't get me on. <laughs> yes uh thanks for that des yeah. one of your best and uh so that was like a, a really roller coaster of emotions obviously um i understood it was a really tight loss um and uh, while i was disappointed i understood uh well come round seven i think it might have been and i was also picked in the 17 to play against the titans at brookvale oval and come the the 80 minute siren i still hadn't got on the field again thanks again for that one des I was less understanding of that one, <laughs> especially the Titans. Mm. But, uh, well, uh, Presto was running around, still causing a bit of havoc, and I think uh, they ended up coming from behind and, and pipping us on on the bell. So that one was um, that one hurt a bit more. It's tough sitting on the bench, you know. Like the more as a young player and as a debut player, you sit on the bench, you burn nervous energy. You just want to go out there, you know. I remember my first game it was for the Raiders, but. Running down the sideline, I felt like I was just running on air. You know, it was when we were first time to go on there, and it was amazing. But I can understand the frustrations um, about having sat there for the whole game. Like that would just been the worst torture on earth, especially for a player that's been dreaming about that for so long. Round ten comes around, and we get to half time, and I still haven't got on. And you're thinking not again. And so I've gone up to Desi, and I just said, "Mate." <laughs> you should have slapped Rossi up the back yeah. of the head. Yeah. Alex Ross, the legendary you've trainer. To, you've, I said, you've got to get, you're going to get me on Sure, And he goes, yeah, mate, of course. Now you'll be on after 10 minutes. And true to his word, at the 50th minute, I was subbed on and got to play about 25 minutes. Um, and uh, it was it was awesome. Uh, it was everything I thought it would be um, and more. Obviously burned a lot of nervous energy. Uh, really, I was just hoping to get on the field. And then when you get out there, like Boxy said, you kind of, kind of floating uh, you, you finally achieve something that you know, particularly for myself you know, I've been dreaming of you know seriously for at least six years but to play for Manly my whole life basically so you kind of just want to get in everything 
um, and every tackle and try and do every run and do everything. And then after about three minutes, you're looking up thinking, oh, it must almost be full time. You've only been on the field for two minutes. And you're just like, oh, that's, Jesus. What that's exactly right. Like the, the, the step up from, you know, flag to, to reserve grade. And, you know, that's, that was, you know, it was, it was five times, you know, the speed. When you step up from reserve grade to first grade, it's like 15, 20 times. It's, it's nuts. And you go out there with all this energy and stuff. And it, like, like Jimmy said, you look up at the clock and you've been on there for three minutes and you're totally gas and you would have been a, a much fitter guy than me but i remember looking up just going oh my god it's uh but no in the end uh i got there in the end i uh, got to to debut at brookfell oval uh, mum and dad and, and plenty of family and friends there so yeah, it was a super special moment certainly would have been now that season you play five games for manly and looking back at that mate, you didn't have a win in those the first season so what are you thinking what's going on here like uh Thanks for bringing that one up, Kobe. Yeah, 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 no, just mate, stats don't lie. But tell us about life as a young player under Des. What what did Des do for you uh, in terms of development? Obviously, working with Des, the great Donny Singe. Take us through all that. I think Des is just he's incredibly thorough with what he does. Um, there's no stone unturned. There was always something different, um, you know, week to week. Um, season to season uh, and everything was just very thorough the reviews um, you know the preview and uh, also the work that he put into each individual um, which I appreciated uh, he also just really good um, with people I think um, for those um, that don't know him or haven't uh, been coached by him they think that he's just you know really angry really serious all the time and don't get me wrong he is angry and serious a lot of time but He's also really good, um, you know, at checking the temperature of his team and, and seeing what they need. You know, do they need a laugh? You know, do they need us to cut a session? You know, do they need this? Do they need a rev up? I think that's probably something that, you know, those that have been coached by him, you know, appreciate. And uh, yeah, he just, he was certainly a really good coach, was able to instill confidence in people, you know, and, and also um, had a lot of confidence in people. After your first season, can I ask you, Mad Monday. What's your first Mad Monday like? Uh, obviously, you're, you're the person who's made your NRL debut that year. Tell us about Mad Monday. What can you share? But what's it like going to a Mad Monday for the first time as a, a young guy who's you know played five matches? Besides it being the greatest day of the year. Yeah, um, yeah cool. Just wanted to cover that off. Yeah. Um, it uh, it was awesome. It Just because, like, obviously, the... Yeah, you know, the men that I was was now playing with, that I was training with, uh, were were men that I I had a, you know a heap of respect for. I'd respected for a long time. You know, many of them I'd been watching before I even got to Manly in the twenties. Uh, so, you know, really, you know, getting to know them on a personal level. You know, obviously you do that. You know, within the preseason, and you know, we had you know plenty of good times. It's um, you know one of the we had a really fantastic environment. You know, where you you know you work hard, but you also enjoy each other's company. So. I think just on Mount Monday, it was a learning experience in itself for me, um, but a great one because, as I said, I was I was spending time with people that I you know I had a heap of respect for and that I had admired. But you know, I was also fortunate to have a lot of really good mates uh, that were kind of either debuting or on you know the eve of their debuts as well. So we got to share all that stuff together. So it was like looking at each other like, how good is this? Like, we're, look what we're doing. We're off here ripping in. So that and was so good. was that back at Brookvale? 
Uh, Did you go to Brookvale Oval on, no. on the Monday morning? Oh, see, it all changed. The good ones were we, we'd roll out of a cab uh, out the front on Pittwater Road from um, being in, in town out on the Brookvale Oval and sit there with, you know, with cartons of beer and, you know, there's no iPhones and all that sort of thing either. Um, if you didn't score a try, which was me majority of the, of the years, off you go, nude run out on the oval. These days, the media would have a field day with it, but back then, people would just walk past and go, "Ah, boys, you know, good job, great season, enjoy." You know, so um, yeah, well, you missed one there, but yeah, it's that's a fun. different world now, isn't I it? Think, that's for sure. Uh, I think one of the ones that we did was the uh, the cutlet, with because uh, you couldn't do the nudie run. <laughs> Come cut. So we're up it. We're up it. I think where were we at? Um, I can't remember exactly where, but obviously we're not far from the beach. And anyone who had uh, scored a try had to go and jump in the ocean with their clothes on and then roll around in the sand and then come back up. <laughs> the crumb cutlet. Yeah. The crumb cutlet. So, uh, yeah, it, look, behind closed doors, the nudity run still gets a run, but it, uh, you've got to be much more careful these days because uh, there's plenty of people that can't see the fun in it for whatever reason. Well, in 2011, you didn't have to worry about the nudity run. Tell us about your first try or tries because it was against South Sydney. Yeah, it was – I hadn't played in the centres before. Uh, and that week Des said, look, I think, uh, I can't remember who it was, but um, they were under a bit of an injury cloud and he just said, I think I'm just going to give you a crack in the centres. And I was thinking, what? He goes, nah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I was like, okay, no worries. Uh, so I started out in the centres. It was against South and it was on uh, the Gold Coast. Uh, sorry, not the Gold Coast, the Central Coast. And uh, the first try of my career, I think Fozzie put a kick over and it rattled around everywhere. And uh, Robbo, um, Mick Robinson, he didn't actually ground it because he thought it was a knock-on and I just grounded it because I thought, well, I may as well just ground it just in case. Got to, mate. And it went upstairs and it was a try. <laughs> That's gold. It, uh, that was the first one. Oh. And uh, so Fozzie helped me into that one and, and Robbo, I think he must have just laid it up for me. He made have it. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, about 20 minutes later, I'd, I stand onto a short ball from Foz, a bit of a cutout and, uh, and scored me second. So just like that, it went bang, bang. And yeah, I thought I was going to keep scoring like that forever, but not going <laughs> to the case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was it like playing and running off, uh, as such a talented ball player like Foz, Kieran for him? Yeah, it was, uh, it's probably, uh, the best, um, that I've been able to run off and I've been lucky to, to run off um, Chaz as well, uh, you know, Mitchell Pierce, uh, who are all, you know, fantastic halves. But I think the majority of my tries came off Foz. Um, I just, uh, he just has the ability to, to turn people in and I just, we played each, with each other enough to, to, you know, kind of read the situation well. And he just made things really easy for people on the outside of him, Foz, because he was always willing to put himself in a position of getting hurt. He'll take it all the way and then all you do is just run the hole for him and he'll take the whack and you score the try. That's exactly right. It's one thing I know about him. He's not worried about what the defense is going to do. He's a tough player. You know, deep into that line, trying to get you that space and get that player to turn in. Like, you know, it's 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 massive. It's ultimate bravery in my point of view because you, you're blindsided. You can't see. You've got eyes on the defender out. You've got no idea what, what's coming. So no, I think Foz is a fantastic, unbelievable player as well. There goes the halftime siren here. We're going to take a short break and hear from our valuable sponsors. The Golden Eagles podcast is proudly presented by Wormald, a classic sponsor of the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Wormald is a leading provider of fire protection solutions, helping to protect Australian people and property for over 130 years. Wormald's expertise spans the design, manufacture, installation and service of fire safety products and equipment 
backed up with a comprehensive range of fire services from engineering advice to fire safety training. You can rely on Wormald to help protect you. Visit wormald.com.au. One of the greatest days of your life, probably still is, the 2011 Grand Final. You come off the bench, we beat the Warriors, take us, you've made your NRL debut, you know, the season um, before. What's it like for a young player to go out there on that big stage and live a dream and, and win a Grand Final? Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, it's really hard to describe. Like, we played finals footy. Uh, in the lead up and um, you know as we can all attest um, sometimes the final crowds you know they're not as big um, for our for our guys we played I think against uh, the Cowboys in one of them so there was not many people there so I just wasn't fully prepared for the the amount of people that rocked up to the grand final and it was just a sea of black like it would have obviously we had you know our manly contingent there but it was very much pro warrior and um, yeah it was it was you could barely hear one another. It was so loud, you know, for periods of the game, and then obviously we went on to get the job done. And you know, we had some fantastic performances within the game. Um, and for myself, I come on played in the centres again. So you know, Desi just decided I could obviously, um, you know, I end up playing a fair bit of different positions throughout the year. So by that point, I was a bit more prepared. Um, come on, played some centres, and we got the win. And yeah, it was awesome. It's uh, you know, to be able to achieve that. You know, this early stage of my career again with some of my best mates, you know, some of my best mates still to this day um, that I came through with in you know Foz, Chez, you know, Das, Will Hopawati, and then to be able to do it with people that I admired and I had so much respect for coming through. Um, haven't seen them one one, you know, was it three years before? And you know, just wishing I was out there, um, and I got to do that. Like, I just thought, geez, how is this? It's, we're going to do this forever. But. It's pretty, pretty amazing. And you try to explain to people how that crowd uh, of 80,000 plus people sounds like when you run on the field and there's there's no way to describe it. As a player, it doesn't matter how many you've played against. And it still sends shivers up my spine now when I, when I talk about it. Same as when every year when the anthem comes on and you watch it, you get that feeling, you know, like you just want to go and play footy. It's it's ridiculous. And you, you just can't explain it. It's, it's one of those things that will just, you know, that, that never leaves you. It's pretty awesome. What about the celebrations? Manly Leagues Club afterwards. It was week long, um, <laughs> as as I'm sure all the good ones are. Um, sometimes longer, but we, uh, it was great. Like obviously, you know, in Manly, um, it was basically everyone wanted to to give us something. Like let's look after you guys. Thank you. you know, and um, you know we were just well received everywhere we went. You know, and obviously the Leagues Club was mad. Um, so were the days after at different places here, there, and everywhere. I remember. Jumping on the bus, uh, you know, barely any sleep, um, just at the top of the bus, feeling a bit dusty. Then you crack a beer and have a wave, and, and you're just catching up with the boys and just seeing like the impact that you have on, you know, that you have on the town, and just how much, how passionate, you know, the fans were and how appreciative the fans were. It was like, yeah, it was just a really, really good week. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's about the fans, and, and these days, obviously, the members because they're the ones who buy the merchandise. They go out there. They support you. They travel in the state, sometimes overseas for World Club challenges or you know, Warriors matches. They're there, rain, hail or shine. And to them, like you guys are the heroes, but for you guys, without the fans, it's just not the same, is it? Oh, they're the lifeblood of the sport, you know. Um, they Without those fans, you know, there is no game, basically. So 
Yeah. And the fact that they want just want a piece of view or a photo or, you know, an autograph here and there, it just makes you feel good, doesn't it? Especially if you win a premiership. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, as I said, being able to see it, obviously, Ben, when you play a brookie and it's a packed house, you know it and you feel it. Um, but to win a competition, a competition and then to even jump on the bus and just be so well received everywhere you went, you just could see how, um, you know, how appreciative they were uh, of you know, what you were able to achieve. Okay, so 2012, you're a premiership winner. You start the year off well. You represent New South Wales City against New South Wales Country in the annual City Country match. Tell us about that. And and it's a shame these days the City Country is no longer around. I loved it. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Just It just was a really good introduction to, to me to, I suppose, representative footy. Just being, I suppose, you go and mingle with players from other clubs, people you play against, you know, people that you may not have a rap on at all uh, or hate and, and, and vice versa. And then you come in and you realize and it's something that, you know, you realize more and more, the more games you play is, you know, there's a certain perception with a lot of people and then you meet them and they're some of the best blokes. Like there'd be fans out there that think, you know, the worst of, you know, some people, but if they'd actually met them, they're just top-notch blokes. And you go into that type of environment where um, I believe Freddie uh, was the coach and um, just kind of absorbing so much. Uh, it's not so much about, you know, the coaching, it's just about, understanding i suppose what's required to get ready and prepared for a game like this and quickly kind of assimilate uh, but also have a good time and and just make sure that you know you're you're taking stock and appreciating you know the moment because having that opportunity doesn't come around all the time so it was great it was great for myself obviously a, a big learning experience but also great for my family you know, to come and they went to you know every game i went to and everywhere i went and you know they were certainly appreciative too well i'm sure the family would have been absolutely wrapped up a couple of weeks later, New South Wales Blues. Your representative time with the Blues. Game one down there in Melbourne. Ricky Stewart's the coach. Paul Gallen's the captain. Describe that moment. State of origin. Yeah, it was um, it was unbelievable. Obviously getting picked. I knew that I was there in abouts. Just um, just previous conversations um, said that they were talking about it, and then to actually get picked was like. I don't know. It was just hard to. You didn't really think it'd be. It's actually happening until you get the phone call, and then obviously rang mum and dad straight away. I was with my wife Grace at the time, um, and just uh, yeah, it took a while to sink in. Even you know the first couple of days of camp when you go in, and you know it's like city country, but on a massive, much greater level. Obviously, like there's you know, some really fantastic individual players within the team, and. Again, like I learned so much in that time. I was lucky, um, you know, Gifty and, and Snake and T-Rex were also in that in that squad. So um, they kind of took me under their wing. Uh, I was roommates with Greg Bird, who's a top-notch bloke, and still mates with to this day. Um, and I just look back on it as a great experience. Obviously, I'd only got eight or ten minutes uh, at nine, but um, you know, to be out there, again, the crowd was deafening. They were pro-Queensland. Even though I was in Melbourne, was all... Birdie did Birdie brush his teeth? Notorious for not brushing his teeth. <laughs> I don't know. I, I cannot confirm or deny that. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the rap for that one then. Great play, great play, good bloke. Yeah, great yeah. bloke. Absolutely hated him. He's like a Mick Crocker for me. Hated him on the field. Great bloke, often like unbelievable bloke. So it wasn't a uh, bad Queensland team you played either, was it? When you look at it, and you can say you played against a rep level for against Queensland. Thurston, uh, Smith, you know, Inglis, Cronk. You know, so that's obviously their golden period. And, and for you to be part of that, like you said, even if it's only 10 minutes, 
state of origin. Like no one can ever take that away from you. No, you're exactly right. It's uh, it's something that, look, I would have loved more minutes and I would have loved another game. I was completely understanding of the decision. Um, you know, Robbie Farrow proven that he could play 80 minutes. Uh, I was surplus to requirements at that point in time. But at the end of the day, I got, got an opportunity to get on the field and kind of represent um, not only New South Wales, but importantly, my family. Uh, it's something that I've always dreamed of doing. Uh, still to this day, order pizza on a Wednesday night and get ready for Origin. Um, I did that with mum and dad, you know, and my brother's coming through and now I do it with my own kids. So, you know, to say that I was able to to run on on a Wednesday night while, you know, there was a kid at home having pizza with his mum and dad, it's pretty darn special. You must have loved just when you first go into the camp, all the gear you get. Like the, you must have just loved getting New South Wales. My dad did. Yeah. <laughs> The tracksuits, the the tops, the shirts. He still wears it down to you know the Belrose Centre and <laughs> on a Thursday Arvo signing yeah. autographs. <laughs> Meet Raffles, <laughs> I think, uh, as worn by Jamie Bura. Uh, um, my dad's two, got all that kit now. So. Yeah, 2013, uh, obviously a tough year for the, the Seagulls. You make the grand final, but you go down to the Roosters. Um, the jubilation is there from 2011. The disappointment of 2013. How does that sit um, when you look back at that game? What, what's your what's your thoughts? Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you, you I knew you were going to say that. It's one of those things, isn't it? You know, like if you've won a grand final and you've lost one, and I've done that as well mm. with the Seagulls, the the feeling that you have after losing one is like no other on earth. It's exactly the complete polar opposite to winning one. But, um, you know, you lay down on the field and you've lost. And we got flogged in 2007, you know. Uh, I watched this game in Dubai actually cheering down there when we come back from England. But it's 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 a hell of a feeling. Yeah, we'd, we'd had a really good year. Obviously, you don't get to the grand final unless you have. Uh, the Roosters, they were – we'd had some real epic battles with them throughout the year. I think we versed them four times and lost four times. Uh, but each time was, you know, incredibly close. We played a semifinal against them and I think we lost 4-0 or 6-4, uh, one of those. And um, it was just an absolute battle, uh, obviously, as you'd expect a low-scoring game to be. But, you know, there was plenty of footy played. In the final, uh, well, I thought, you know, we're in a great spot. Uh, we're in a, uh, we're ahead with about 20 to go. Uh, I thought we were playing good football. And then, you know, against the run of play, they score a try. Uh, then Janko scores this off this grubber kick. He, I don't even know how he grounds it. And then uh, before you know it, the game's over and we've lost. And, uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely gutting. Um, you know, still to this day, you know, I talk about it with, with blokes um, you know, within that team and some of my good mates and, it is what it is, though. You know, um, at the end of the day, you just, I was going to say move on, but you never move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we move on. To, uh, 2014, um, another tough year in terms of ACL injury. Um, you're out, but the good news is the Seagulls assign you uh, on a bit of a longer-term deal until the end of the 2017 season. We'll get to that in a sec. But what's it like for you knowing that, all right, you've done the ACL, it's heartbreaking as a player because you want to play every week, but then to get rewarded with a new contract at the same time? Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Uh, obviously, once I'd had that injury, I know I'd been having conversations uh, with the club about an extension. I had no intention of leaving um, as long as you know, we could reach you know, an agreement um, and I was always going to stay. And then when I did my ACL, you know, my initial thought was, oh, shit, like this will That's be gone it. now or it'll be a shorter one. And then you know, to be given you know, um, you know, what was it, and I'd been a good extension for myself, just – always, you know, loved the club and appreciated the club, but I just really appreciated that point in time that, you know, they had that faith in me you know, to return, um, you know, as hungry as ever and, and not lose a step. And, and that became a motivation 
when in the off season and I was able to return just under six months, you know, for round, it was round two. I didn't get quite get round one. Mm. But uh, yeah, that, that became a motivation. You know, it was more, you know, you've put the faith in me, you know, so I'm going to work my backside off to make sure that I get back and I'm not missing. 128 games for the Seagulls. Then I remember, I'll never forget this day working at the club when uh, the club decides to release you from the final year of your contract and you head north to Newcastle. Um, knowing you at the time, how hard that was for you, Jamie, um, and especially for the for the fans. Like obviously, and we say this with great respect. You know, he's very much loved and, and still is. And um, I'll never forget that sign in the crowd. You know, the one I'm talking about, the beautiful sign. But um, shout out to Kylie. Yeah, shout out to Kylie, the Mitchell family. But um, what goes through your mind? And then what was it about Newcastle that you decided, Grace and the family, a fresh start, a new environment? Let's go. Yeah, it was, it was incredibly difficult. Uh, difficult time. It took a while to obviously come to a decision. It was a it was a bit of an internal struggle, but in the end, uh, with the circumstances that I was presented, it was you know, really it. I had to go. So uh, Newcastle, why Newcastle? To be honest, Nathan Brown and Moons, the football manager, um, we caught up you know, for some lunch. Uh, up in Newcastle uh, with Grace and I and just and just basically explain where they're at and, and where they can see the club going. You know, not only while I was there, but, you know, they had a longer-term plan. And um, I suppose it's, it's just something that excited me that, you know, I was going to be part of that plan in, I suppose, trying to create, you know, a new culture. Uh, the culture up there, that was really my main assignment in and getting the boys to love the game again and, and really buy into the work ethic side of things. There was a, a lot of youth up there, you know, they were looking to develop both on and off the field that have starting to pay dividends now. They've got some fantastic players and great blokes. And I suppose, well, if I'm not going to play for Manly, um, you know, let's, let's, let's go and have a real crack at something. Uh, and so, yeah, we made the move. Uh, and to be honest, you know, outside of having to leave Manly, um, I'm really glad that I made the move, you know, even from a personal standpoint, um, my wife and I, um, I just being away from the support network, you kind of, you learn a lot about each other. And, um, I think we, um, well, not, not only did we grow as people, but we grew as a family. We had the twins up there. <laughs> Four <laughs> kids. <laughs> Four kids. It's, uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a trying time, but in the end, uh, it was a, a decision that, that ended up being a good one for me. Okay. Well, we're going to have some fun shortly with some, uh, different questions for you, but one question I want to ask you, what was it like playing against the Seagulls and, and your good mates, Daly Cherry Evans? And uh, there's always a bit of banter out there, but uh, what was it like playing against the Seagulls? Yeah, it was weird. Um, it, it was it was good in a way too because – and Box did know, you know, I'd played for a while at that point. So I had played against lots of mates by that point. You know, the mates had gone and played for other clubs and stuff and you just have this – this, there's more of a drive in you when you're playing against your mates to, to whack them, to hurt them. And, and I, when I say hurt them, you don't want to go and put them out for the year, but like make sure that they feel it. And I suppose just be able to brag about it after the games. Uh, so there was definitely that that rivalry there, uh, particularly with Chez. Um So there was one game, wasn't there? One moment, yeah. Then you played up a bit. I think with it. it was. Uh, I th- I played up with it, did I? <laughs> well, I don't know if you played up with it, but uh, <laughs> because you weren't in the, the media, Manly jersey, it was at Newcastle. It was no, no, no. The one you talk about was a brookie. I was think it was the first time Newcastle had beat uh, Manly right. in about 15 years at Brookvale. It was Oval. the last minute or something, wasn't Chez, it? Chez, he said there was some dirty mice, so he's trying to get it out. And then, um, yeah, I don't know, he must have scratched it. Good bloke, hey, Good bloke. Yeah, always <laughs> looking after him. All right, now let's have some fun. Um, like we said, you, you finished your career at Newcastle. You decide to uh, retire at the end of last year or 2019. Um, 
Donny Sinch. I'm going to impress some names here. Donny Sinch. Describe Donny Sinch. Passionate. Are we just giving you one-worders? Yeah, passionate. But he also told me to ask you, tell us about how you end up on the gym wall as a rep player. So what they did, obviously, if you represented uh, your state or your country, they put you up on the representative wall on the Seagulls gym. What did they do for you? I'm pretty sure I wasn't up there. <laughs> so Donnie went and put me, put something up there. I can't remember if he drew it or he did a cutout up there and then put my name there because for whatever reason I, I wasn't on there, which is fine, but Donnie wouldn't, wasn't having any of it. He's like, oh, he's got to be up there. He said uh, we drew a picture of him and it was a fantastic likeness. <laughs> so <laughs> I think so it was the- a stick man. Uh, which again was a fantastic likeness for me at the time. You t- we talk about Chez, your great mate, Darby Cherry Evans. What is it about Chez that you admire as a person um, and obviously as a player? As a person, um, he's basically the first friend I, I had when I moved to Manly. Uh, we both kind of came from, from different parts of the world. I was only 50 minutes away, but he had to fly. Um, and we just kind of bonded quickly, um, you know, in a new environment and, just his friendship, you know, since then and to this day, you know, really close friends. Um, you know, so is Grace with Vessa and, and the kids. Uh, as a player, he's just, uh, his work ethic, he's one of the fittest blokes I know, but he'll still go and work hard on it. Um, you know, I know he's probably one of the best kickers in the competition, but he'll go and work hard on it just because he, he never tires of, of trying to learn and improve. And I think that's why kind of we've seen him um, from from the moment he got in, obviously he was, you know, obviously going to be a special player. But I think that's why we have seen him. We'll continue to see him get better and better because he never just sits on his hands and says, "All right, I've achieved it." Okay, the best teammates you ever roomed with, and then the worst. Darcy Lussick was the worst, <laughs> absolute worst. Snorer would suck the drapes up his nose. Well, what you used to have to do was, if you're in with Darcy. You had to try and he'd go, all right, mate, I'm going to go to bed in about half hour. So you had a window to try and get to sleep because after it you were done. And if you didn't get it, we'd have to do this thing where we'd like, we'd quickly yell to wake him and then you'd try and get to sleep. It's uh, the best roomie. Uh, well, I was roommates with Chez uh, for ages. So like we, um, we knew each other's routines. So that was really handy in that regard. Your love for the Seagulls, final question. Love of the Seagulls was obviously when you're playing out there, it was so obvious. But you also fell in love at the Seagulls. Your wife Grace uh, was working in the administration office. Tell us all about that. How did it how did it come about? Were you just having to see this young girl walk in the office, or tell us how it all yeah. eventuated? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, best one for last year, Kazo. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's a lovely lady. She Grace. was uh, yeah, she was working there for uh, a year or two before I got there. And then uh, at the time, I was doing a. a a course um, in the 20s that had somewhere I'd come into the office and, and we kind of had a lot of small talk to kind of branch from there. And then I know by the end of that year, um, you know, we knew each other a bit better. And then, uh, yeah, she was obviously beautiful, someone I was chasing and eventually got there. Persistence paid off. Hard work pays off. Hard work hey? and persistence a couple pays twins, off. A hey? couple of twins. Now, what's uh, Jamie Bureau doing these days? Life after footy. I'm working at the uh, Rugby League Players Association. Uh, so at the moment, just uh, just looking after the boys. I could always envision myself doing. I was keen to always assist you know, teammates where I could and now I'm able to do so on a much bigger platform. Okay, mate. Well, uh, Boxy, uh, you got anything else for the great man? 
just uh, it was great to watch, you know, Jamie and Ches, those guys came through as sort of at the back end of, of, of my club and, you know, it was great to see them, you know, kick on and, and do great things and to watch them, um, you know, win that premiership in 2011. And then actually I was there on the bus afterwards. The boys grabbed me because <laughs> I flew back in from England and I ended up partying on that bus as well, which was fantastic. But no, he's, there's always he's, one. He's, he's a passionate, he's a passionate Seagulls man. And um, yeah, he's um, yeah definitely um, well regarded amongst the fans. Sure is. Sure is. And we look forward to seeing you down there in future. Enjoying the Golden Eagles days with uh, Boxy and down there. Um, but look, mate, uh, on behalf of every Seagulls member and fan, uh, Jamie, um, you've been a wonderful ambassador for the Seagulls. Um, I enjoyed working with you during the time uh, you were there as well. And, mate, you've always been a level-headed uh, young man, a real family person. And congratulations on 128 matches for the Seagulls, your 2011 Premiership win and what you achieved in rugby league. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. This has been the Golden Eagles podcast, presented by Wormald and recorded in the studios of Manly Media partner ASCII Live Media. You can follow the Sea Eagles on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. For more episodes and other official Sea Eagles podcast channel shows, head to seaeagles.com.au forward slash podcast. This has been an ASCII Live Media production for the Manly Warringah Seagulls official podcast channel.